it can feel devastating, but I know that the climate crisis really is on the minds of everyday Nigerians. And I know we do want to see a change in our society and we don't want to see our environment degrade because we have so much hope for the future of the country that the environment really is key to that. Welcome to Decolonization in Action, a podcast that considers how knowledge, medicine, science, and the arts are being decolonized today. My name is Edna Bunom, and I'm broadcasting from the Max Planck Institute for the History of Science in Berlin, Germany. Today's episode centers on the climate crisis and the ongoing UN Climate Change Conference, which is scheduled in Madrid from the 2nd to the 13th of December. The talks are part of a global climate action summit to commit the world's largest emitters, mostly from the global north, G20 countries, to limit their emissions. Climate scientists have argued that the countries must adhere to the 2015 Paris Agreement. Otherwise, many parts of the world, particularly the global south, will face catastrophic results. While the UN Climate Change Summit is one avenue for how people are advocating for system change, activists, youth, and artists are putting their bodies on the line and putting forth anti-colonial climate justice in order to offer more sustainable futures. In light of the COP25 and the ongoing climate crisis, this episode focuses on Black and African people who use their artistic and activist practice to promote climate justice. We begin with insight from Antoinette Oni, an architectural designer and artist, and later with Rebecca Abena Kennedy Asante. First, I sat with Antoinette Oni at Gallery Vetting after viewing her exhibition, New Commons, Lagos to Berlin, where she explored the importance of culturally dynamic spaces and positioning people from the African diaspora communities within the current climate debate. How do you define your practice, your occupation, and what you do? I'm currently enrolled in TU Delft in the Netherlands, but I mostly work as an artist, collagist. I work a lot with maps as well, and uh, really just trying to marry art with spatial design and social issues that are important to me. Can you tell me about your heritage? I am of Nigerian parentage. Um, both my parents were born in the UK. My grandparents migrated to the UK in the 50s and 60s, married there, raised their families there. But every generation has eventually moved back to Nigeria. There's just this constant link or bridge between the UK and Nigeria for me. Have you lived in Nigeria? Yes, I have. I spent like quite my, my formative years I spent there from the age of nine. My parents sent me to boarding school in Magodo in Lagos, four or five years there. And then as an adult, I moved back last year to work for an architecture firm there. Always this back and forth. What's the difference between living in the UK versus living in Nigeria? First off, I would say in Nigeria, class is very much in your face, especially because the majority of the country is black. You don't so much feel like a racial disconnect or racial divide, but very much a class divide. And it almost gave me, even from as a child, it gave me that kind of awakening that something really isn't right, that how can so few have so much and the rest live on so little? Whereas in the UK, things are a lot more covert. 
white supremacy is a lot more insidious and underhanded and it's very much perfected within the institutions and the inequality you can't almost can't even call it out because things run so smoothly that how can you even complain you know but really and truly the divide is just as much in the UK if not worse I'd say. There is a climate justice movement that's happening internationally in Europe, in North America, in South America, on the African continent and beyond. How does the climate crisis and the climate justice look in the UK? At the moment, we have a lot of Extinction Rebellion protesters stopping tube lines, blocking public squares, blocking major transport links. I mean, more power to them, but myself... I can't really identify with that. And I also know that a lot of uh, POC uh, climate activists also can't really identify with with that, with those methods, especially because our bodies have always been on the front lines of these efforts and have always been so disposable, especially with the climate crisis, because countries of colour are the ones who deal with the major consequences and the immediate consequences of climate change. Uh, For example, in Lagos, we have terrible flooding and it gets worse every single year and majority of this is what we've inherited through colonialism uh, through extractive capitalism and through exploitation of the environment by uh, European countries and uh, corporations and we are really having to deal with the consequences of that and also poorly learned behavior the use of plastic which is not indigenous to our culture or to our way of life but now is like the big thing in Nigeria at the moment, unfortunately. So really there's like a disconnect for me uh, as someone who does care about the climate and who does try and raise as much awareness and do work in that field. But I really can't really connect with the climate protests happening in London at the moment or the UK. So you gestured towards some of the various ways in which there's a climate crisis in Nigeria, specifically with respect to flooding. I want to know to what extent is there a climate justice movement that's helping to challenge some of these environmental disasters or to challenge the use of plastic or even the production of oil, uh, given that Nigeria is a major oil producer? As far as I know, there's movements like the Lagos Urban Initiative. They are looking to plant trees. So there's these three neighborhoods, Maryland, Bagada, and one more, I've forgotten the name. And they're hoping to plant trees along this whole strip facing the lagoon to try and combat soil erosion and the flooding. And there are a few movements here and there, but really the attention and focus isn't so much on them and they don't have the resources to mobilize. It's just really not enough or it's not publicized as much as it should be and because for me to even find these groups that are moving I had to do a lot of searching online and through word of mouth which it can feel devastating but I know that the climate crisis really is on the minds of everyday Nigerians and I know we do want to see a change in our society and we don't want to see our environment degrade because we have so much hope for the future of the country that the environment really is key to that. You're trained as an architect. How do you use your practice to challenge climate change? So I'm still training. (laughs) It's ongoing for years now. But yeah, architecture is really at the key of it because the construction industry, it takes up so much resources, even just for the running of a building. Once it is established, it's just so draining and produces a lot of carbon emissions from build to the use of the building so for me designing zero carbon buildings is key to me also creating buildings that need less 
air conditioning. So designing for a tropical climate is very important. Using responsible materials, like I really, really am hopeful that one day in Nigeria will be less dependent on concrete because it just does not work for our climate. It stores heat during the day and then releases it at night. And that is just terrible for a hot climate. People are then having to rely on air conditioning and other artificial cooling techniques. Um, whereas if we designed better, I feel like a lot of that could be avoided and we can actually have more responsible or wise methods integrated into our indigenous architecture. So you have an exhibit at Gallery Vetting that is entitled New Commons, Lagos, Berlin. Can you tell me how this exhibition addresses the climate crisis? To give a wider context on the exhibition, it's part of um, an exchange program. So two Berlin-based artists visited Nigeria. One is still currently there at the moment. And I, a Lagos-based artist, have come to Berlin. And it's run by the Goethe Institute. So it's really centered around this idea of commons and coming together. So the two Berlin-based artists, uh, Katrin Winkler and Dana Komler, they centered their uh, work around uh, market spaces, Dana specifically on uh, a commercial centre built in the 60s, I believe, by a Yugoslavian architect in Lagos, and Katrin on the women's unionisation in the 1930s, I believe, in Abelkuta, the women's market women's revolt. And a common thread throughout the three of our work is this idea of uh, the marketplace and coming together, and also the innovation of people within these places. So I looked at the Dongswan Center in uh, Lichtenberg in Berlin, and I was really looking at why communities of color in Berlin are not integrated into the climate debate, uh, the wider climate debate, and why there's this absence at protests and during these forums of these communities. I believe we have very innovative solutions to provide for a lot of the the issues that we're having so for example in the Dongswan center you can often see food packaging done with banana leaves which now in a lot of like the hip mainstream read between the lines mainstream uh, supermarkets that is now being used as food packaging so there's less uh, reliance on plastic this we could have we could have put people on game like centuries ago, decades ago, you know, about this solution and think about the resources that could have saved. So I really think that communities of colour within the diaspora really need to be pulled into this climate debate and really around uh, the marketplace is a place of innovation for me, around gastronomy, around our everyday behaviour, these solutions can be integrated and it really is up to communities of colour to be pulled into this conversation for this to happen. Do you have hope that we can solve the climate crisis in our generation? No. Why is that? I think the urgency isn't felt enough. I think it's going to get much worse before it gets better. I think places like Venice and places like Lagos, unfortunately, need to sink. Places like Bangladesh need to sink. And the West really need to feel the pinch of the climate crisis before anything really changes. Um, But other than that, I don't think things will change as quickly as they need to. Not as long as the decision makers put profit before people. I really don't think it will change as fast as it needs to. It is upsetting, but that is my thought on it. Fridays for the Future Climate Strike has become a household name. On the 29th of November 2019 in Berlin, Germany, I joined Rebecca Abena Kennedy Asante 
and Black, Indigenous, and other POC climate crisis activists who are committed to climate justice and environmental change. Can you tell me about why you're part of the global climate justice movement? Yeah, I think the climate justice movement is really broad and we have so many movements in the global south that are fighting for climate justice since actually since centuries because anti-colonial struggles are always combined with yeah for example land rights struggles and if you protect those lands then you also um, you do something against deforestation and this again is an environmental issue and i think it's not so possible to separate environment and racial things so much. Germany is emitting the most CO2 emissions in all over Europe. We have 800 metric tons here produced. We have the biggest lignite mining area in the Rhineland where there's a lot of deforestation and coal mining. And this is 400 times more than, for example, a country like Mali is affected a lot, for example, by the climate crisis. And here in Germany, we are not so affected. We have some weather changes, but not that extreme weather events. And here there's also a lot of money put into prevention. So scientists know what kind of crops they can grow in a couple of years, uh, whereas in other countries, there's not so much research happening. We were asked to write this article. The narrative is, it seems pretty wide at the moment. The movement is really big and we see the connection of how the climate crisis arose. How did it happen? It was not suddenly falling from the sky and now we have a climate crisis. The process of getting to that point where we are now, that we have global increase of the temperature in some countries at 1.5 degree, for example, this is not coming from nothing. The process of getting there is, a, is the story of colonialism when in the 15th century European boats were going to Americas and grabbing the land there, starting large amounts of deforestation, then later the industrialization where the Western or the global North was always making profit from those emissions. But the process of getting there um, it's a process of violence and a process that's lasting since 500 years now. And this mindset is a dualism. It's a binary of black and white, of nature and human. And we need to break those binaries, find solutions. And the solutions are not in technical or in economic, like we are talking now about the Green New Deal and this and that and geoengineering. But we need to go back and see where the climate crisis arose and then think of indigenous, black perspectives, ecosystem perspectives to have authentic climate change and environmental climate protection, environmental protection. What is the BIPOC Climate Justice Group and who does it consist of? Our group is called BIPOC, so Black, Indigenous and People of Color, Environmental and Climate Justice Collective Berlin. And we're a group of 14 people at the moment. And yeah, like the name is saying, everybody is BIPOC. We always have a majority of black and indigenous and also a majority of not cis males, so female, trans, inter, non-binary position people because we think this narrative is important for our activism and uh, what I like about our group is that we don't have to argue so much about basic things. 
for example, many of us were before this or still at the moment in those kind of white environmental groups and we go to Endegelände, to Hambacherwald and to all those super important and also good movements. But there we get so tired of talking about racism, cultural appropriation. And of course, in our group, it's also we talk about those things, but we're not fighting. It's rather being a bit on holiday from these issues. Or if we go to our BIPUC community movements, then sometimes people are not so aware of environmental things. And then there, we also need to talk a lot and make a point. And this is also a safer space for that it's normal that our meetings have vegan food and yeah, that we try to make this more a shift of the norm. What do you believe we can do to have a better, more sustainable future for everyone? We need to go back and look at the concepts and then take action. And if we understand that we need to break those binaries and yeah, try to organize ourselves in what kind of groups so ever or by yourself and just start on reflecting your own privileges also here in the global north as BIPUC we have responsibility because we live on the neck of our siblings in the global south and what we have to question ourselves what can I do how can I organize myself how can I be in solidarity with people and with ecosystems You are listening to Decolonization in Action podcast, and this episode was hosted by the Max Planck Institute for the History of Science in Berlin, Germany. If you're interested in learning more about the climate crisis, we highly recommend the following books. Naomi Klein's recent text, On Fire, The Burning Case for the Green New Deal. Mary Robinson's Climate Justice, A Man-Made Problem with a Feminist Solution. David Wallace-Wells, The Uninhabitable Earth. There are so many other books and articles that we could recommend, and for that reason, we'll have a bibliography posted on our website. To learn more about the podcast or to find information about the people and events we referenced, please visit www.decolonizationinaction.com. If you like what you hear, rate, comment, and share our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can also follow us on Twitter at Deck in Action. We want to express our gratitude for the activists, artists, scholars, youth, and people in the global south who continue to put their bodies on the line. Thank you for joining us.